Well, Merry Christmas once again, everyone. If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. It's warm in here this morning. I don't know, I'm just not used to wearing a suit jacket, I guess. <laughs> take your Bibles, turn with, to me, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I'm going to ask you a question, and I just want like a one or two word response. But what is your favorite part of Christmas? We know snow over here. <laughs> Somebody tell me, what's your favorite part of Christmas? Family. 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 Somebody else? Relax. Relax. Whitman's chocolates. Anybody else? Take a nap. What was that? Chocolate cherries. Chocolate covered cherries. Good stuff. The lights. Oh, there we go, Shauna. <laughs> now, I know some of you really love Christmas, and that's why I asked that question. What's your favorite part? Uh, Hannah used to start a Facebook countdown on December 26, 364 days till Christmas. I thought that's a little bit much. Barb, she puts up about 15 Christmas trees at hers or less's when four or five would be completely adequate. And Donna, she's got enough decorations to decorate all of downtown Brattleboro, I know. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you, you need a few more? <laughs> Jillian says, definitely. How many of you would like for Christmas to last all year long? Yes. Some of you are going yes, some of you are going mm. <laughs> and I don't mean the hustle and bustle of running around and all the things we have to do or the giant credit card bills that seem to arrive right after Christmas. But Christmas time is special. At least the good parts of it are. Amen? Amen. And the good parts of Christmas are something that we should, in fact, celebrate all year long. The question is, how do we do that? Well, that's what I want to show you from the scriptures today is how to properly celebrate Christmas all year long. If you have uh, Luke chapter 2 in your Bible, stand with me as we read from God's Word, beginning in verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You may be seated. One of my, uh, one of my new special Christmas memories is last year, uh, my Christmas sermon. I remember I started out and I said, uh, I said, I just want everybody to know that I love you. And then I looked at poor Doug Fisher sitting down here and I said, Doug, can I give you a kiss? And he kind of looked at me and said, oh, sure, Pastor Brian. <laughs> and then I gave him a Hershey kiss, but, and I think a whole bunch to a whole bunch of other people, but Charles Spurgeon points out that certain activities fit with certain periods of the year. In our own culture, Christmas, it means holly and mistletoe, parties, gifts, carols, eggnog, big meals, a decorated tree, and lots of last minute shopping. While I would venture to say these things are not questionable, uh, object, objectionable in themselves, none of them except for gift givings has anything to do with the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. 
not even December 25th. Now, no one knows for certain exactly when Jesus was born, uh, but we do know it was not December 25th. It's most likely happened uh, on the Feast of Trumpets in the fall, perhaps tabernacles just a few short days later. Others make the case for a Passover birth date, but all agree that December 25th was not when Jesus was born. And so while we might not know for sure the exact date that he was born, the principle, the act of celebrating the coming of the Christ to the world is certainly a good and proper thing to do. Amen? It is one of the most important events in all of history. And some Christians, though, they frown on Christmas for various reasons, and some even oppose it altogether, thinking that it, much of it is, to, is pagan. And it's easy to decry the commercialization of Christmas and to bemoan the Christmas parties that cater to more things like drunkenness than anything relating to the birth of Jesus. But as bad as all those things are and the sky-high credit card bills, we Christians ought to enjoy this season of the year. Amen? It would be a double shame if we allowed the world to take this holiday, this holy day, away from us. Should we celebrate Christmas? By all means, yes. How should we celebrate this great day? The first and most obvious answer is, you should become a Christian. That was the reason that Jesus was born. He was born as a savior to save and deliver men. And so if you want to understand what Christmas is all about, then you must become a Christian. And until you can truly call him my savior, you will never fully understand what Christmas is really all about. Many of our carols speak to this point. One says, good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice, now ye need not fear the grave. Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one and calls you all to gain his everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. And if he was born to save, if God stepped down out of heaven, if he poured the fullness of his deity into that little body, for the purpose of saving us, then surely we should honor that fact by becoming a Christmas, uh, a Christian. Amen? And so this is where Christmas should begin for all of us. But what should we add to this? Our scripture here this morning tells us how to celebrate Christmas, how to honor the birth of the Savior again all year long. In its most literal sense, this passage describes the various responses of people to the birth of Christ. Each verse tells of a different response, and the four responses together tell us how to celebrate Christmas all year long. Listen again, Luke 2. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, and it had been told as it had been told them. Number one, proclaiming. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Luke tells us that the shepherds spread the word. Everywhere they went, they told of what they had seen and what they had heard, what they had experienced it. 
First, they heard and saw the angelic revelation, the angels filling the sky, telling them that the Christ had been born in Bethlehem. Then they went to Bethlehem as the angels instructed them. There they discovered the Savior of the world in a manger and some rough outdoor barn, perhaps a cave carved out of the rocky hillside. And you know, the birth and the revelation didn't seem to go together, did it? The Savior, the King of Kings, the Deliverer, the Redeemer has been born in a lowly manger. And you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. Yet there it was, all from the hand of God. And consider this, on that night in Bethlehem, outside of Joseph and Mary, the only people in the world who knew that the Savior had been born were the shepherds. After the 400 years of silence from God, when God did not speak through the prophets, he now speaks to the angels, to lowly shepherds on a remote hillside outside a tiny Judean village. It wasn't a likely way to come into the world, certainly not the way we would have done it. If we had planned it, Jesus would have been born in Jerusalem to a wealthy family and attended by the high and mighty. That, was, that way, no one would doubt that the Son of God had come to earth. We would have made a grand spectacle of the whole thing. But God's ways and our ways are not the same, amen? amen. He chose to reveal the news to the shepherds first. After their initial and kind of understandable fear, they responded in faith. They believed the angel. They immediately went to Bethlehem and they found the baby Jesus. Everything was just as the angel said it would be. And what did they do then? They went and they told everyone they encountered what they had seen and what they had heard. They spread the word about Jesus. And when you get down to it, that's all evangelism is. It's the telling of the good news that Jesus Christ, it's telling the good news of Jesus Christ to someone else and inviting them to receive and walk in the good news. What the shepherds did, do you understand? We can all do. We can all proclaim that God has come, that he was born in a manger, that he, he grew up, that he went to the cross and he died in our place. And on the third day, he rose again so that we can be forgiven of our sins. And so the first thing that we can do to celebrate Christmas all year long is to tell others. Tell who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Share your story and then invite others to come to Christ just as you have. Good news. You know what good news is for? It's for sharing. When you get good news, what do you want to do? You want to tell everyone. You wouldn't believe what happened. Let me tell you my good news. And that's what the shepherds did. That is what all of us are called to do. Second is that we can take time to wonder at the birth of the Savior. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I'm sure that amazed is a mild word to describe the reaction of those who heard the shepherds. The story itself would sound incredible. The part about the angelic host filling the skies at night, the choir singing in the heavens, not to mention finding the Son of God in a feeding trough. And to think that God, again, chose these lowly shepherds as the first evangelist. It's important to understand that there are two kinds of amazement. 
First has to do with a temporary fascination over an unusual turn of events. Now, if I promised, now this wouldn't be the case in years past, but if I promised that the New England Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl this year, you would all be amazed at what I said. Now, I think it's impossible at this point because they're not even going to make the playoffs. But unlikely as that is, it wouldn't be supernatural. You see, terrible teams occasionally get lucky and win championships. It's unusual, but not miraculous. Second kind of amazement is what we would call holy wonder. It's a kind of awe that comes from seeing God at work in the world. In the deepest sense, all the acts of God are grounds for holy wonder, since everything he does has the stamp of his divine hand on it. Go all the way back to Genesis, and you'll discover that God created the entire universe out of nothing. He spoke, and the stars ignited. I was watching a little clip the other day on YouTube, and they were talking about um, the different breakthroughs in science and, and, and astronomy and cosmology that the James Webb Telescope has given to us. And they said it's, it's just destroyed the Big Bang Theory. And they now say that it appears that as big as the universe was when stars were created, that all the gases in the universe essentially ignited at one time. And I thought, the Bible's been telling us this for thousands of years. It shouldn't be that amazing. And then yet at the same time, what a wonder it is that God could simply speak and stars would flame to life. He would speak in the earth and other celestial bodies would begin to move through the heavens in their courses. That he would speak and rabbits and the geese and the otters began to scurry about, fish began to swim and, and on and on. That he would speak and trees and flowers would begin to bloom and grass would begin to grow. God speaks and it happens. It should be a wonder that he, he gathered up some dust, some dirt, and he fashioned a man out of it and he breathed into it and it came to life and became a living soul. It should be a wonder to us that God would then take a rib and make a woman, Eve. To read the first few chapters of Genesis is to encounter something that is truly wonderful, that is full of wonders on every hand. And the wonders continue all the way to the end of the Bible. Revelation 19 tells us that when Christ returns, he will have written on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. From the text, Handel wrote his magnificent hallelujah chorus. In my mind, I can't imagine any other worship song being sung when Jesus returns. That has to be the one. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. And he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. When Christ returns, he will establish his kingdom on the earth. And it says that all earthly kings will bow down before him. Even further, Isaiah 52, 15 says, And kings will shut their mouths because of him. 
For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand. In context, this verse kind of describes what all the kings of the earth are going to do when they finally stand before the king of kings and the lord of lords at his second coming. All the jabbering and boastful talk will come to an end. The majestic presence of the king of kings will shut the mouth of all earthly kings. Can you imagine that? I know some of you like him, but Donald Trump would just go silent. I am. See, in that day, what they haven't seen, what they haven't heard will be revealed to him. I don't know what Gunnar just said, but apparently it was funny. <laughs> he don't like Joe Biden, so it was probably about Joe Biden. <laughs> but Jesus will be revealed. The truth of who he is will be revealed, and they will fully understand what they have not heard or seen or understood before. The contemporary English version translates Isaiah 52, 15 like this. Kings will be silent as they bow in wonder. There's that word, wonder. They will see and think about things that they have not seen or thought about before. You see, the word wonder puts a slightly different spin on it and it brings us back to Luke 2.18. When Christ uh, first came, the Magi, the kings from the east, they brought with them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold because he was a king. Frankincense because he was a priest. And myrrh because he was born to die for the sins of the world. These kings bowed in wonder before the king of kings and lord of lords. In the days to come, all the kings of the earth will bow before the Lord Jesus. They will be silent in their wonder before the victorious Son of God. You know, Christmas is indeed a cause for holy wonder. How can it be that God should become a man? How can a king be born in a manger? How can the world ignore his coming? And what sort of God comes into the world like this? So you ought to be amazed at Christmas time. You ought to be just struck with wonder. If you manage to go through the Christmas season without ever pausing to think about the wonder of, of it all, then you have missed the reason we celebrate Christmas in the first place. How can we regain this lost sense of wonder? If we've lost our sense of wonder, how can we regain it? I would suggest just watch children at Christmas time. Everyone else seems jaded and harried during Christmas. We have so much to do, so many places to go, so much food to fix. But not children. It might be the wonder of the Christmas story itself. It might be the wonder of waking up to a tree with presents under it. But there is an amazed wonder in children at Christmas time. My daughter Emily said to, you, to me the other day that Christmas without her little brothers and sisters would just not be the same. She said, I don't even care about what I get. I just like to watch them open their presents. I said to Becca, she's all good. Take hers back to Amazon and Walmart, all right? <laughs> but we should react with amazement and wonder at what God has done for us and that he would somehow be born of a virgin to die for the sins of the world. 
The Bible says that a little child shall lead them. We should teach our children why Jesus came, why they should wonder, and then let them teach us how to wonder again. Third, ponder. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The word treasure has the, uh, treasured has the idea of counting something up, of taking stock, of recording it, of making a list so that you won't forget anything. So what you might do at the end of a very busy day and you want to make sure you don't forget anything that has happened. The word pondered goes deeper than wondering. It means to take the events as you have laid them out in your memory and then to go beneath the surface to understand what it all means and why it happened to you and the way it did. No doubt Mary went back to what happened with Zacharias and Elizabeth in the birth of John the Baptist. I'm sure she thought about what Gabriel had told her and, and how Joseph at first was going to divorce her and then he had this amazing dream where God spoke to him. And then the journey, the long taxing journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem and all the events of the birth itself. The shepherds showing up uh, without notice. The, the magi, the kings coming with these amazing gifts. She certainly had plenty to think about. No doubt she continued to wonder, uh, wonder why God had chosen her. And so she pondered all of these things and wondered, pondered what was ahead for her newborn son. Pondering can kind of be hard work. Any of you ever sit up at night because you're pondering too many things? It's hard work. It's why some of us never get around to it. Yet this is the perfect time of year to do it. What better time than the end of December to ponder what God has done for you in this last year, what he's been teaching you, how he's been working in your life. And so here's a simple exercise that may help some of you to do some serious pondering before 2024 arrives. Set aside some uninterrupted time. Sometimes my tongue just doesn't work. As Pastor Sam says, English is hard. But find a quiet place. Turn off the TV, turn off your phone, the radio. Begin with a prayer asking God to show you the things he wants you to learn and then focus on the Lord. Focus on what God has, uh, you've learned about God's character this year. What spiritual revelation you've been given this year. Focus on how God has blessed you. How he's carried you through difficult things and times and days. For many here, you fell under the weight of God's glory so that you couldn't even stand for the first time in your life. How has that changed you? Many of you overcame the fear of sharing the gospel how can you build on that in the coming year? And so ask the Lord as you ponder these things for insight where he might be taking you, leading you, how he desires to work in you the next year. Mary pondered what God had been doing in her life. And that's a helpful practice for all of us to follow. And finally, glorifying. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The final verse tells us that the shepherds were profoundly changed by what they had experienced. What a difference a day makes. On the day before Christ were, was born, they were in the fields leading their sheep. 
On the day after he was born, guess where they were? Back in the fields once again. Only this time their hearts were filled with praise to God. The word glory comes from, or the word glorify comes from glory, which originally meant to have an opinion. And then it meant to have a good opinion and ultimately to estimate the true worth of something. You glorify anything when you recognize its true value. To say that the shepherds glorified God means that having seen Jesus in the manger, they were overwhelmed by God's power, His grace, His goodness, His wisdom, and the amazing miracle of the incarnation. They simply could not stop talking about what they had seen and heard. And again, note where they did it. The text does not say that they glorified God in the temple, which would have been fine. It says they returned to where they had been. Back to the tiring and unappreciated work of caring for sheep. That's to say within 48 hours, if not much less than that, they were back to where the angel had found them in the first place. Having seen the babe in the manger, it was time to go back to work. And so they did. And so must we. Christmas, this part of it anyways, eventually ends for all of us. Soon enough, we will take down the tree, pack away the ornaments, and gifts will either be used or returned to Walmart or wherever they came from, exchanged for something else. A few days, the children will go back to school, and life will return to normal. But will we be changed by Christmas? Or will it be business as usual again in 2024? For the shepherds, life would never be the same. Oh yes, the work was the same, but they were different. They went back with new zeal, new joy, new love for God in their hearts. They glorified Him with their lives. People, again, sometimes wish they could keep the Christmas spirit all year long. They speak of it as if the magic of those days comes only once a year but it depends on what magic you're talking about. If you mean the tree and the gifts and the mistletoe and the chestnuts roasting by an open fire, that indeed only comes once a year. But the greater truth of Christmas is meant to warm our hearts all year long. Would you like Christmas to last all year long? It can if you will do what the shepherds did, go back to where you came from, Back to your office, back to your classroom, back to your factory, back to your neighborhood, back to your job, back to your family duties, back to the humdrum of daily routine. But as you go back, glorify God, praise Him, proclaim the good news that the Savior of the world has been born. He has come. He has made redemption for mankind possible. It's what the shepherds did. Christmas didn't really change their circumstances, but it changed them deeply and profoundly. And because it changed them, it changed their approach to daily life. Yes, they still had to deal with cranky sheep that would run off. They still had to, every once in a while, step in some sheep manure. But that hardly mattered now. They had seen the Christ child. Have you seen Jesus? 
If you have, then go back to what you were doing before and take the memory of Christmas with you. Glorify God and praise him as you go about your life and you will find your days filled with joy. How do we make Christmas last all year long? By proclaiming the good news that the Savior is born. We wonder at God's amazing plan and his love for us. We ponder the works of God in our own lives and those around us. And we make Christmas last all year long by glorifying God in everything that we do and say. So start where you are and God will be with you. Do these things and you will have Christmas all year long. Amen? Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. Just stand as we close.